0: Good evening for Daily Advice, episode 3. I'm actually feeling a little bit better, so you don't have to be as annoyed by my sick voice. Um, Let's jump right into the advice. So, first section, green infrastructure. Uh, I'm going to talk more about some traditional green infrastructure. Green roofs, they're picking up steam like wildfire. Um... Across the world, cities are adopting these, and we're seeing them more and more all the time i, I just looking around my high rise building it's incredible how many have been installed in Toronto over the last couple of years and The tip or piece of advice that I want to give today is that um do you know what the difference is between extensive green roofs and intensive green roofs so intensive green or sorry extensive green roofs are the sedum mats that we see on many buildings, so sedums are those small. Um succulent plants that there's not a root base to them, but they have them rolled up in mats almost like carpet and they just lay them onto the the roof um It could be a little more complicated to that, but the point is there's not much soil volume it's literally just a mat um that's installed on top of the roof and maintained uh the Extensive green roofs, they also don't feature trees or shrubs. So again, it's usually um, sedum or another small succulent mat that is installed. So the main purpose of these extensive green roofs is to mitigate urban heat islands, provide habitat, improve air quality, and retain stormwater. Intensive uh, Intensive green roofs, on the other hand, feature substantive soil volumes to accommodate trees and shrubs. So if you think about um, those green roofs where people actually ex- access them and they're they're literally almost a park on top of a roof, they have trees, they have shrubs and usually walking paths and are accessible to their, the building's residents, that would be an ex- uh, intensive green roof. So it basically comes down to soil volume. <clears throat> But it's good to know those terms um, if you're going to be involved in the green roof industry or just have um, any conversations about green roofs next topic permits so vancouver is moving um to a system where all buildings by 2020 and and onward will have to be uh, constructed to be carbon neutral in operations so if you're a developer that's planning on doing any projects in Vancouver or um does projects currently, you should be prepared for that change that's coming um very soon. Next category, lead BD plus C tip. To earn one point under the raw material source and extraction reporting section you can use at least 20 different permanently installed products from at least five different ma- manufacturers that publicly released a report from their raw material suppliers which include raw materials supplier extraction locations, a commitment to long-term ecologically responsible land use, a commitment to reducing environmentally, uh, environmental harms from extractions and or manufacturing processes, and a commitment to meeting applicable standards or programs that voluntarily address responsible sourcing criteria. So, any building projects that's going for lead it's very important to consider what um materials are being used and to go with um cost-effective sustainable um vendors that are going to be able to meet the criteria of um the material um, resource section so that you can gain those points that you need in order to um, contribute to the lead building certification. Environmental assessments did you know that lichens which are the um, patches of uh, fungus-like um, Materials that, that grow on the side of the trees. It's kind of like moss almost it looks like um. So lichens can actually be an indicator of air quality um, There is an index called the Haw- uh, Hawksworth Rose Index and It has a very basic indicator. So just to give you an idea of what people look like uh, look for when they're doing um, lichens assessments to measure air quality They look for number one if no lichens are presence, present, that indicates very poor air quality. If there's uh, a certain kind of lichens called croutose, the, the, um those kind of lichens represent um, or indicate poor air quality. If there's crutose and foliose lichens, um, which is a different kind of lichens that is considered moderate to good air quality, if there's fructose, frucolios, and crutose, so a diversity of all the lichens, then that indicates a very good air quality. So it's just one more way to, um, to back up um, your assert, um your assumptions on the local air quality and can be a very good ind- indicator on what you're dealing with. So that's a very basic way of just kind of um, looking and seeing what you're, um, what your surroundings are immediately, but there's um, obviously more scientific and complex methods that you can do that you can actually take them to the lab, measure um, what is actually going on specifically in the air um, around uh, your site as far as quality. So that's just an interesting fact about environmental assessments and sometimes you need to get creative on measuring what the actual quality is um, of the site, <laughs> construction support. The engineer, architect, or environmental consultant should always be on site during major phases of the work. And I've seen this before, where um, the architect, engineer, environmental consultant will only come in when problems arise, and that usually costs way more because damage. You're you're working. Um, Um, on the defense rather than on the offense so it's better to just spend the time when you're doing um, certain major portions of the um, project to be on site and monitor it facilitate the work to make sure it's done right the first time and to make sure there's no mistakes and if any if there are mistakes that are made they can be corrected immediately Uh, last section for today is a boriculture I just want to say that you definitely should know, because I could talk about it a lot, get really lit up about it, is that my favorite tree species is tamarack. And right now, I am not a winter, fall person at all. I'm okay with spring. I love summer. I love the heat. But tamaracks are the one thing that make fall semi-tolerable for me. And right now, they're in full color, full bloom, peak uh, yellow which is what I love. And the reason that I actually fell in love with Tamarack is that uh, back in the farming days when I was young, where I grew up, there was this Mennonite that lived kind of near my farm and he planted a whole side road block, which is like a kilometer of pure Tamaracks. And he like, I don't know if it was his dad who did it or what, but these were mature. So it would just look like a row of trees for most of the year. But then in the fall time they would turn fluorescent yellow and just beautiful so i love these trees they are um they can be found in bogs and they're also uh, known as uh, northern species so they're very cold tolerant very wet tolerant they're also one of the few conifer trees that drop their needles in the winter which is a very cool and unique feature of them Uh, Dawn redwood also does this but um Don Redwood is planted, but it doesn't occur nat- uh, natively here on eastern uh Canada. So, Tamarack's beautiful species, uh google it online if you don't know what they look um look like and go take a look outside. So, everyone enjoy your weekend and that's it for today's episode.